We've been doing a series now for a few weeks out of the Gospel of John. If you'll turn, get your Bibles and turn there or your, your phones or whatever you're reading from today, go to John chapter 8. We're looking at the signs of Jesus. We've looked at several signs that we've identified in the characteristics of the Lord Jesus, the one that we serve, the one that we worship, and we're going to get to this one today, which is the fifth sign, and I've called it shocking forgiveness, shocking forgiveness. Uh, It's really the challenge that comes between a law-based religion and a grace-based religion relationship through Jesus Christ. They can look very familiar and they can even sit together in a church service. But one is going to be based on law and judgment. The other one is going to be based on grace and judgment paid by Jesus. And that's what we're going to look at today in this in this event which is the reason I titled it this is because it's shocking the level that the Lord Jesus forgives. It may be even at a level that makes some of us uncomfortable that he would, he would forgive at this level. But it's in the Word, and we're going to study it together. You've heard, you know Jeff Foxworthy, don't you? You might be a redneck if. If you ever cut your lawn and found a car, you might be a redneck. You might be a regnet if your stereo speakers came from the drive-in theater. And you might be a redneck if your wife says, move this transmission so I can take a bath. What I'm going to look at today is you may be a law-based religion if. I'm going to give you some of those lines now. You might be a law-based religion if, and we're going to look at it together. As we do, and as we honor the word, would you please stand with me if you found John chapter 8. We're going to read a story of a shocking level of forgiveness. Each went to his own home, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. At dawn, he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him, and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law of Moses has commanded us to stone such women. Now, what do you say? They were using this question to trap as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. If you know anything about the Pharisees, they were always watching Jesus, trying to catch him, trip him up. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. We do not know what that is. I've heard a hundred sermons about what that is he wrote on the ground. It doesn't say, so I'm not going to make it up. But he wrote something that was interesting. And we can, that's on my list. When I get there, I'm going to ask him, Lord, what did you do? Because that must have been awesome, whatever you wrote there. But Jesus bent down, started right on the ground with his finger. And when they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and he said to them, If any of you is without sin, 
you be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stepped, he stooped down and wrote on the ground again. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time. The older ones went first until they all left and it was only Jesus remaining with her. Jesus straightened up and asked her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, sir. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Now go and leave that life of sin. Lord, we ask you on this day, through the power of your spirit, to fulfill what you said, that you would speak to us the words of life. You would bring these stories and these words to life, and you would write them on our heart. And God, as that begins to sink and go into the places of our heart, I pray that it, you will find us responsive to what you're showing us and what you're saying to us today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> All right. You may be a law-based religion person if you desire for people in sin to be exposed. Your religion may be more based on law than grace if you desire to see people that are in sin to be brought publicly and be exposed. Remember, the Pharisees brought this woman. They said they claimed to have found her. They used the term in the very act of adultery. So to do that, by law, they would have had to have two witnesses of this activity. So I don't know all that how that happened. And the fact further betrays the evil that's kind of revealed in the Pharisees' hearts. They were not so concerned with upholding the law because who were they going to kill? The woman. It doesn't say anything about the man, but the law does. If you want to go back to the law, it says this in Leviticus 20.10, if a man commits adultery with another man's wife, with the wife of his neighbor, both the adulterer and the adulteress must be put to death. They are only, at this point, only concerned about trapping Jesus. To me, the question is obvious. Where's the partner in this? If you're wanting to be legal right to the law, you should have brought both of these people forward to stand uh, for judgment. John 8 says they were using this question to trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. So you may be a, a law-based religion person if you desire for people to be exposed publicly. You might be a law-based religion person too if you desire to see people accused in public. You saw in verse two and three of that passage, <clears throat> Jesus went to the temple court and he was teaching the people in the court and then the Pharisees came right into the middle of his teaching dragging this woman very public setting, and, and presented this situation to the Lord Jesus. The Mosaic law does require the stoning to death of both man and woman. They put them in front, and that crowd gathers around, picks up some stones, and then they just literally throw stones until that person is killed. Pretty gruesome thought. To, re to realize that the law to wipe out that kind of sin would be able to use people to throw stones. And so they were testing the Lord Jesus. The Pharisees were testing him. Would he, you see, if the Lord says stone her, he would be contradicting the very thing that he said he came to do. 
said, I came to seek and to save those that are lost. I did not come to bring condemnation, Jesus said. I came that they might have life and have it to the full. And so if the Lord said, throw the stone, that would be somewhat betraying his whole motive for coming. But if he didn't give credence to the law, he would be breaking the very law of God. If he, had, if he didn't say with the stone, go ahead, go ahead and kill this one because she and he would have been worthy of this crucifixion. If he had said deny stoner, he would have denied his mission. Here's the dilemma. How can justice on one hand and mercy on the other hand be harmonized? How can you deal with the law that requires this stoning, this killing, this judgment? How do you base that and marry that, harmonize that somehow to mercy and how that can function? Because God's righteous just judgment, watch this, has not changed. It must be satisfied. The justice of God, when the breaking of the law occurs, must have the satisfaction the satisfaction of judgment against that. If not, then the law of God was wrong, was not true, and we know in Scripture that it is true. Here's how, because God's righteous judgment must be satisfied. I'm gonna show you in just a moment how that's satisfied. I want us to look at the essential elements this problem of all problems is presented in this passage. First, we have Jesus who came to seek and save that which lost. Second, we have the sinner, guilty, a guilty sinner. There's no way of getting out of it. One, by no means could she clear herself of that sin. She was caught in the midst of it. Third, the law of God, the, 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 the old covenant law is against her. And the law that she had broken declared your penalty is death. And then the fourth thing, the guilty sinner was brought before the Savior himself and was indicted by all those that were witnesses. This is the problem that Jesus now faced. This was a big deal. A big test was happening right in the midst of this situation. Would grace stand up in the face of law? If not, what would the solution be? The third evidence that your religion might be based upon law is this. You desire to have people fully judged and condemned. Verse 5. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. They said to Jesus, now, what do you say? The law says it, now what do you say? Jesus, in the only way that Jesus can, cut right through the middle of that and satisfied his, his whole purpose and did not betray the law. I mean, you know, only to wish we could be that smart in those, don't, that's one of those situations where you were there, and later that night you thought of a good line. Man, I wish I'd have said that. Well, he said it right here in the right proper place. He says this, perfect, she's guilty, she should be stoned by the law. Now, guys, go ahead. Who's ever not sinned, you throw, you go ahead and throw first. He didn't go away from the law. 
he just made people realize when he used the line, those of you who are without sin, throw it. The realization came back on him, man, I'm guilty too. And if I throw this stone, these guys right here could turn it and throw it on me because I'm, I'm as guilty as these. At this moment, here were men who were convicted by their own conscience. If you can listen carefully, listen, I'm assuming it was a dirt ground, dusty ground. Jesus was over here riding on the ground. The, that lady caught in adultery was here being humiliated. The stone throwers were here, if you can imagine, and listen quietly. When Jesus said, if you're without sin, throw it. Some of the old guys, you could hear their rocks dropping. Hear it hit on the ground. And they just started walking away. It says the older ones left first because I think we get more honest and real, maybe the older we get, of our failure, of our weakness, and of our brokenness. Notice they did not return to him at this point. The religious folks. They didn't turn to Jesus, they walked away. They would have had a great opportunity, I think, at that point to go to the Lord and to get their life in a right relationship with him. They would have had an opportunity to receive grace and get the full relief of not living under the condemnation of the law. I've known, very, I've known many religious people filling many churches I've been a part of who live miserably. Their entire Christian life is miserable because they realize how even in our best efforts, Jesus, the scripture talks about, even in our most righteous acts is like filthy rags in the sight of God, meaning in comparison to the holiness of God, our very best is still filthy. So the longer you go, maybe the more you realize, I, I have no stone to throw. But we should, or they should have run, I think, returned to the Lord Jesus. But that really requires the quickening of the Holy Spirit. Because you can do the same today, right? You know that? You can hear the story. You can even be found guilty because we all sit here. If I said how many are guilty, it would probably be all of us. And I'd have to have two hands up, guilty. And the invitation of the Lord, I think, is there that we can come to him. Now, you may have grace-based religion if you have evidence that your spiritual life is based upon grace. Here's how you will know. Grace is understood when you find yourself guilty before the judge in the courtroom. There's a story, I may have said it shattered before in the old building, I can't remember. <clears throat> there was a son brought in to the court. He came uh, with the lawyers and stood before the judge who was seated behind the desk. It was a traffic uh, failure. He, it was a $100 fine for speeding. The judge listened to the, the boy's statement, the the lawyer's statements and he asked him son are you guilty and he said I am guilty he says okay you're fine today is a hundred dollars then the judge got up from behind the bench took off his coat walked over walked down 
and stood by his son, who was the one accused, took out his wallet and paid a fine for the son. That's the picture of what we're talking about, different from law to grace. Law, we're guilty. All of us have sinned. All of us have come short of the glory of God. But the judge, thankfully the gospel story, the judge took off his robe, came down, and paid our price. He paid the penalty that we were guilty and needed to have been paid. Grace says the law is godly, but in our humanity, it keeps, it keeps from perfectly fulfilling the law's requirement. Grace does not remove the law. Grace says because of my sins, I lose the right to bring judgment against others. I'm going to say that again. Grace says because of my sin, I lose the right to bring judgment against others. So if, you're, if your religion has you carrying stones, you may want to rethink. You may want to drop them today. When those stuck in a law-based religion are reminded of our personal need for grace, then the rocks have to fall. The rocks of judgment have to come out of our hands when the Lord says, go ahead. If you've not sinned, bring your judgment. Then the last thing. I think we understand we may be in a grace-based religion if we want to find ourselves replicating the life of the judge I told you in the story. Willing to come down and help people find redemption, a payment for their guilt. And there is only one payment that is available. The one who is judged, remember on the last day, the father is going to be seated at the courtroom. And the scripture says we will all come before him. And we will give an account for the life we're living. What we want on that day, what is available to all of us on that day, is that 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 judge sent his son in advance to walk down beside us before the judge and to pay our penalty. Jesus, on the cross, spilt the blood payment because the payment for judgment is blood. The payment for this lady in adultery was her own blood. As those rocks would tear at her skin and the blood would flow out, that is the payment. That's that's my payment. That's what the law says I deserve. And you know what? I can stand before the law and be as guilty as about anybody or most people if it weren't for that the judge made the blood payment for me. And he did it for you. He made the blood payment for you. It's shocking that he would forgive us like this. There's so many of us live self-condemned lives. So many in the church who come in and hear the stories of the gospel or hear the stories of scripture looking for to be disciplined looking for the Lord to hammer us. He just takes his outer robe off and walks down and 
makes the payment. It's shocking. It's shocking that he would forgive us this much. It's shocking what the church would be if we accepted that. Not to go on and live in sin. Paul said it in Romans chapter 6. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may abound? God forbid, who, we who have died to sin, how can we live in it any longer? He puts a new, there's a new desire put within us. Ezekiel, I believe, is the one that said that he puts a new heart in us. Ezekiel 36, I will give you a new heart of flesh. I will put my spirit in you and will move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. So when you receive the payment of Jesus, you receive the spirit of God and he puts a new heart within you. I, I tell folks this, it really messes up your sin life. It does. Now you can still sin, but immediately after that, the Spirit of God convicts. You, remember, you know what that's like? It's the conviction. It messes up the sin life. Because he says, I'm going to not only come and forgive you, I'm going to give you my spirit. And Ezekiel says, I'm going to give you a new heart. You know what that means? A new desire. Your desire changes. You want to serve him. You want to please him. You want to be all that he wants you to be. And yet we wrestle against this flesh and we will until the end, till the Lord comes to get us. This is the main truth. That God who forgives us, not by setting aside the law, but by placing its penalty on Christ, is what makes it possible for God to be both just and the justifier. The one who is able to make it right for us. It, that kind of puts us all in the same place. See, a changed heart demands a changed life. If you came to an altar, and you might today, if the Lord's dealing with you, you came to an altar and you prayed and you cried and you got up and you felt better because you did all that, and you left out of here and you went home and there was nothing ever changed in your life, the way you treated your wife or your husband, the way you dealt with your children, the way you did business, if you did if you made this, this spiritual thing, but you walked out not, not changed at all, I would relook at what you have. Because he says, I will put within you a new heart, a new desire. And that desire will be to please him. Because we know one day at the end of this journey, we're going to stand before it, and I've long, I've, Many years I heard this as a little boy, and it was a line that I, uh, from that time forward, I said, Lord, I want that desire to when I stand before him when he says, well done, good and faithful servant, come on in. I don't know about you, that motivates my life. I want to hear him say, well done, that you fulfilled what I called you to do. Did you notice as I close how, this, how the Lord received sinners here? He understands our sin and he understands our need. He's not naive and he's not cynical. He knows us. Do you understand the scripture says he was tested in every way just like me and just like you? Because some of you out there thinking oh, I'm the only one struggling with all this stuff. No, Jesus himself was tempted in every way. 
So he's not naive about it. He knows we're sinners and he knows we need forgiveness. Desperately need it. He's compassionate towards sinners. He really cares for this young lady caught in adultery. He wouldn't even look at her. He just bent down. Not to shame her, not to judge her. He's forgiving. And do you understand? He was the only one in that circle that could have thrown a rock. Have you thought of that? He's the only one that could literally have thrown the rock at the woman. He's without sin. You know what he said? Where are, you? Where are the people who condemn you? They're not here, sir. Neither do I condemn you. Go sin no more. He didn't say, go sin no more, and then I'll forgive you. That's not what he said. He says, I forgive you. Now, change the life. Don't go live in that same life you've been in. Live in a life uh, that matches the new heart of forgiveness I've given you. Stop living in the sin. To me, uh, it's shocking what the Lord Jesus will do. People you and I might write off. You know what I'm talking about? Those people that wouldn't really fit good here. He says, where's your condemners? I don't condemn you either. To me, it's shocking that he took all of our sin upon himself and paid sin's price. I could ask, how many of you, don't raise your hand, how many of you have been sexually abused somewhere throughout your life? It would shock you if everybody raised their hand that had some form of sexual abuse in your life. How many have been lied to? How many of you have been hurt? How many of you have been accused falsely? And I could, you know, just name a few things and realize all of those things that get, did great destruction to you. This kind of blows my mind. I probably said it before because I can't get my head around it. But when Jesus went to the cross and they nailed him, he took every one of those sins that you committed and people have committed against you, he became those at the same moment. Can you imagine that? All of humanity's sin at the same moment coming on one man. He took it all. That would have had to have been just emotionally, spiritually devastating. And that, but the scripture says the next thing that happened was the thing that devastated Jesus. It says that the Lord, his father, turned his back. Why? Because he, he, he didn't love his son? No. Because his son just became sin for us. And at that moment, when Jesus cried out. Here's the good news. Wherever you are in your journey, guilty as the woman in adultery, we could put any title you want on the sin, doesn't matter. Guilty. Stood before a judge and you brought witnesses you couldn't defend to yourself because I'm guilty of all that. If you have yet to receive the father's payment, the judge's, the judge father payment, I would offer that to you today. Matter of fact, Jesus offers that to you today. All of you who are heavy laden, come to me, I'll give you rest. 
He came, he's after you. He said, I'm coming after you. I want to seek and save that which is lost in that condition. He knew we were going to be in that condition. He paid the price on the cross and he came and he offers today for all of us. Some are Christian, but your sin has recaptured you. You may need to just come and do what Paul says. Don't live in it any longer. Lay it down. Let's pray for one another and let's ask the Lord to give us a new level of strength to be able to stand against these temptations. You may be here and don't know the Lord and you'd be the guilty one. You would stand, you, today you could come and receive the payment of the Father by receiving Jesus into your heart and he'll give you a new heart. He'll begin to change things for your life and your family. Some are stuck and caught in sin. You can get out today. Some of us may be found a little bit of a Pharisee heart. You can just come to him. Say, Lord, change this in me. But I think this message today from the Lord to many that would be here today because you're stuck right now, you're caught in it, and you don't think there's any way out of it. You've tried and 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 failed, 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 failed. Today would be a good day for you to receive shocking forgiveness. Shocking forgiveness. Because that's the God we serve. He loves you that much. But some of you thought, I'm too far gone. No, no, you're not. He went past that. Wherever you were, he's past that and paid for it. Shocking, but it is a God that loves us. Vicki, would you come in? I'm going to take a moment. I'm going to ask you to ask this question to the Lord. Lord, what did you say to me today? Don't say, what did you say to that woman over there? Say, what did you say to me today? Ask him. And then say, Lord, what do you want me to do about it? What do you want to do about what you showed me today?